you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly, joined on the show as always by Doug Moore. And on today's show, I'm uh, very happy to welcome along uh, TJ Hernandez from 4 for 4. He's an associate editor over there. And of course, if you're into DFS, uh, you should be following him on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. There's uh, so much good information there. And of course, he is part of the team at Roster Coach as well. Uh, TJ, thanks for jumping aboard the show again. Thanks for having me, boys. I, th- I think uh, we haven't talked since preseason, so yeah. it's good to be back. Yeah, I was just looking that up, and uh, I think it, we, we previewed the uh, NFC North. And yeah, I don't know if I'll go back and listen to that episode because things are shaking out a little bit interestingly. <laughs> and we'll be talking about yeah. how those teams are doing in, in week 10, but it has uh, not just been the way that we expected, I don't think. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what I said on that podcast. If, if it's any reflection of my uh, redraft teams this year, I definitely don't want to listen to it. Yeah, and I'm sure there was not much talk of Devontae Adams in it either, so we'll, <laughs> we'll just skip over that. I was actually looking today too. This is actually episode 229 of uh, OTA, and I was surprised. Uh, that it, I, I couldn't believe that where has the time gone uh, over the last kind of three or three and a half years, but up to 229 episodes now. I was telling TJ just before we started that Doug is uh, recording this one uh, on his travels home from work in his uh, motor vehicle so if anyone hears any loud noises any screaming uh, it's probably Doug after going off the road but we'll continue on the show as normal and uh, that'll be less of Doug's ranting and raving on the show for one week but uh, Doug how's things? <laughs> things are doing well uh, <laughs> I'm glad you, you informed everybody intro. beforehand <laughs> no <laughs> because you, you let people know you're giving them the heads up. You're not going to edit it out if uh, no. No, we're just going. <laughs> if uh, if there's any uh, if there's any uh, crash, bang, boom on my end, you you'll make sure that they hear it just for. Uh... That way it makes the show a little more entertaining, maybe. Yeah, we're we're trying to get into the, kind of the reality podcasting business. Uh, trying to <laughs> boost the ratings that way. Uh, obviously, listening to the show, if you are tuning in, maybe you're coming in through uh, a tweet shared by TJ. Uh, if it's your first time listening to the show, make sure you uh, hit that subscribe button. Hopefully, you'll come back and enjoy further shows down the line. Lots of great guests each and every week talking fantasy football as well. Uh, I have a quick read before we get into the games, as I always get it out of the way nice and early in the show, and I'm going to play that for you now. Back on the other side. Just before we get into the game previews, I want to quickly tell you about a promotion we've got going on here at OTI. You've probably heard this over the last couple of weeks on the show, but it is continuing on and it is with NFL Shop Europe. Their website is europe.nflshop.com and they are giving OTI listeners an exclusive discount of 10% off all orders. That is OTI10 as the discount code at checkout. You save yourself 10% off. And good news up until this coming Monday, they are offering free shipping worldwide as well. So if you're looking for maybe a hoodie, a hat of that coming into the wintertime keep your head warm keep your body warm check them out they have all the latest new era gear and so on and so forth all authentic nfl merchandise i've even seen some cute uh, baby grows comes up on their website over the last couple of days so uh check that out as well if you have any kids and want to get them kitted out uh, coming up to the holiday season so uh, that is oti 10 at checkout save 10 percent off and uh, until monday they have a uh, free worldwide shipping and it's europe.nflshop.com So I think it's time now to start with uh, all the plugs and all out of the way and start to look ahead to this week's action. And before um, we get into it, you know, obviously we're at week uh, 11 now. I mentioned week 10 earlier in the show. That shows how switched on I am to start the podcast. But we're into week 11. So the season is flying through. And there's lots of teams, you mentioned TJ, redraft teams that mightn't be going well. People in dynasty leagues that their season is starting to fall apart. I'm in a lot of dynasty leagues. And, you know, you have some teams that you're trying to get into the championship. Uh, you're starting to maybe trade away picks or trade away some younger players to acquire those veterans. And then, of course, uh, you know, similarly, if you're in redraft, your season's over and you don't have that option to try and rebuild your team or to to go for a championship. So if you do not have that capability, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about DFS and that's something that TJ is very heavily involved in. And it's kind of the perfect time of the year if you haven't tried it yet, TJ, to, to jump aboard, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of like you mentioned, usually right around this time, right around Thanksgiving, uh, DFS sees one final bump in the NFL season for the reason you just mentioned. People kind of start uh, start stop uh, competing in their in their traditional leagues. So some really st- still some good money to be made on the sites. Uh, 
All the sites running some pretty good tournaments. A lot of really, really good information out there uh, if you haven't tried it out. So I think it's a good time to kind of dip your toes in the water and, you know, get a get a few weeks under your belt and then come back strong next year. Yeah, definitely agree. And I know there'll be a lot of listeners on this side of the Atlantic listening that maybe don't really know what DFS it is, Daily Fantasy Sports. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you're in America at this point in time that if you don't know what uh, it, uh, <laughs> DFS is, you, ha- you have never played fantasy football. So I don't know why you'd be tuned into this podcast. But uh, uh, they have uh, you know moved across this side of the Atlantic too into the UK. So definitely something there to look ahead to. And as we go through these games, I'm sure TJ will hit you up with some uh, players that he would be suggesting you look at this week looking back to last week is there anything tj in particular that stood out to you in terms of um you know a key moment whether it is fantasy related or or not that you you took away from uh, week 10 yeah something that that really stood out to me and we'll, we'll probably end up getting back to this but uh just seeing russell wilson getting back to his yeah. old efficient self that's something we saw happen the second half of last year and i mean over his career he's been one of the most efficient passers in the league um i expected it to happen last year and and talking about dfs looking for that efficient trend uh made me a little bit of money and i I was waiting for it to happen this year too and and we're finally seeing it and i think that's uh i don't think that's an anomaly i think that's definitely a sign of things to come yeah and he definitely last season at the end of the season as well was when he really kicked on with doug baldwin as well having a big end to the season and although this season has been different mainly because of the injuries and his lack of mobility but uh, definitely had a a nice uh, two weeks span there over the last two weeks and i think he's he's definitely kicking back into shape uh doug anything that you you looked at yeah i'm gonna go with another quarterback and, and just the performance that he's had this season uh and that's marcus mariota I, I just i'm a, i'm astounded at, at how well he has done this season i remember I, I think i was looking at a stat yesterday and i don't think he's thrown an interception in the end zone in his career or, or in, in the, the red zone, zone in his no. career um and, and he's just been so good um, this season, despite, you know, with the, I, I'll still say it, the lack of solid coaching with Mike Malarkey there. Um, and also just, you know, I guess some, not a lot of weapons or a lot of top end weapons. You would think he'd be able to, uh, the, the numbers he's put up, he, he would have, uh, with, a, a top end producer, you know, he's had Delaney Walker dealt with a couple injuries and Rashad Matthews is coming off of, uh, I think it's scored a touchdown in four of the past five yeah. games now big free signing I guess you could say for them and just how well DeMarco Murray has done and, and how good this offensive line has produced and, and and Marcus Mariota has really stepped up I I would I wouldn't I wouldn't be I guess you could say taking a big step and or being you know on the outside looking in when I say that he is probably a, a top eight quarterback in the league right now and just how well he's doing not just fantasy but top top 25 percent of the league in, in terms of just how well he's playing is more of a traditional pocket pass in this season yeah and uh, you know going back to preseason he's somebody that i own a lot of redraft leagues i own him in quite a few dynasty leagues he's somebody that i've been high on since he came into the league particularly because there's always the threat to get those rushing yards he has a couple of rushing touchdowns and he did start the season quite slow uh, had, a, had a kind of tough opening but i think the the team as a whole did but that offensive line's playing really really solid uh, the running game is there to kind of help him as well and you know you mentioned Delaney Walker he has that kind of safety blanket and you know there's a couple of guys now starting to step up and make plays it was the, the coaching was always going to be my concern but I think they've they've handled it quite well and I've been surprised how they handled it but he is somebody going into the season that uh, I was very very high on after three or four weeks I was starting to get concerned but uh, he's really starting to play uh, very very consistently and you mentioned that stat about not throwing uh, an interception in the red zone I think he it's up to something like 24 or 25 touchdowns now and it was tough for me to watch uh, as he went absolutely like a knife through, by, oh, that's through right. my Packers <laughs> last week. So that, did, that didn't feel all that uh, good, but I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit later on about the Packers as well. But getting into this week's games... Um, Obviously, the big news over the last couple of days has been Alshon Jeffrey suspended four games now for performance-enhancing drugs. It's obviously a big blow to him with him being on the franchise tag and obviously hoping to get a long-term contract this off-season. It'll be interesting to see now how that shakes out, whether the Bears decide to keep him with this. You know, the next suspension is obviously going to be eight games. Uh, performance-enhancing drugs tend not to worry me as much as recreational drug use. Uh, TJ, have you a strong stance on either? I, I, I tend... Particularly in dynasty leagues, if I have somebody who's caught with a you know kind of recreational drug and gets that banned, it's more of a habit. I think sometimes you know the the performance enhancing thing is something that uh, isn't as much of a, a repeat offense. Yeah, I don't I don't think um, 
you have to be concerned in terms of it being a pattern. I, I think that uh, the biggest concern is probably for Alshon himself. He cost himself a, a bunch of money this year and probably is going to cost himself a lot more uh, in whatever contracts he get he gets next year so um as as far as um uh long-term prospects for alshon i think it's just going to be one of those classic situations where uh you're gonna have to wait till the off season and, and kind of hope uh just wait and see where he ends up landing i, I i'm assuming that right now is going to be uh, the cheapest you can get him if you yeah. could you could prime away from an owner because I still think he's one of the most talented wide receivers in the league. I invested heavily in him uh, this year in redraft, and obviously that did, didn't work out well, but I think uh, the process uh, should always lead you back. I think the process should always lead you back to Alshon. Yeah, I've uh, invested heavily in three wide receivers this year, and they were uh, Keenan Allen, Alshon Jeffrey, and um, the other one, Emmanuel Sanders, is still healthy and unsuspended, so we'll see what happens to him in the coming <laughs> weeks <laughs> as my teams take a, a major hit. But, um, you know, looking then uh, towards the game this week for them, they, they head to New York to face the Giants. And, uh, you know, on their side, I want to see who you think the targets might go to this week. Obviously, Eddie Royal starting to come back. And although he's one of those players who's frustrating because some weeks he'll, you know, get you maybe 100 yards, other weeks and he just disappears for, you know, four or five games. But he is coming back and he kind of is a, a target that Cutler goes to. I think we see a huge uptake here for uh, Miller, who has had a, a very, very consistent run of targets over the past uh, five weeks and I think he's somebody who's a nice uptake here Cameron Meredith probably gets another increase in targets but worryingly for him before this I think he only had two targets this past week against the Buccaneers and which was a, a kind of bizarre game and Cutler had pretty much a meltdown in that one but uh, who do you think uh, gets kind of the biggest upswing here for uh, the Chicago Bears yeah, I I really hate this spot all around for uh for the Bears. We saw their offensive line really struggle last week, and I mean we we pretty much know what Eddie Royal is. Um, he's gonna have some sporadic big games, but he's not gonna be a, a reliable target. Um, I mean we saw it with Meredith earlier this year, but I think a lot of that had to do with Color being out, him him having reps with Hoyer in the yeah. preseason. I think if there's one guy that benefits, um. It is Zach Miller, just because the one spot New York does struggle is over the middle of the field. Um, if last week was any indication and Chicago's offensive line looks even close to the same, and New York's defensive line hasn't been great, but uh, their defense over, past defense overall has been good, we're gonna Cutler's going to need to get the ball out quick. But um, Miller's really the only guy that I, I'm even considering in this spot, just because we've seen him succeed in the past with Cutler. Uh, but if I if I can't avoid it, I'm avoiding this team altogether right now. Yeah, I pretty much feel the exact same way as you do there, avoiding again the running back situation as well. And looking to the giant side of it, obviously you have OBJ has to be started. The running back situation's starting to get a bit more muddled yet again uh, with Paul Perkins. Looking like he was getting an uptick in work, didn't really get a huge amount of work then last week, and Jennings back in the fold, but I'm staying away from that backfield, really uh, outside of OBJ, not really going and starting anybody else in this one. Uh, is there anyone on the Giants' side that you're looking at? Uh, I think it's pretty much um, Odell or Bust. You, you, you can't make an argument that... Um, that Chicago has been been so vulnerable, and and it looks like New York's finally trying, finally hitting hitting their stride. That uh, if you're in a deeper league looking for some flex options, I think um, I think you could throw some Sterling Shepard in there or something. But uh, you can't touch really their tight ends. They kind of haven't relied too heavily on on um, Will Ty or the other the other tight ends. Name is slipping my mind right now. Larry um, But I, I yeah, well no because they they benched Larry Donnell is out of the picture. <laughs> um, they had they had a Sproul Adams. Yeah, yes, okay. there it is. Yeah. Um, but Exciting pretty times. much all all Odell for for me this week, and I think he can have a humongous game. Really, this is a probably one of the best spots Odell's been in all year. Yeah, and uh, Odell uh, on Monday night became the fastest uh, player in NFL history to reach 3,500 yards, and it only took him 36 games, so averaging almost 100 yards a game, which is an uh, absolutely incredible rate. Um, I, I'm looking, and I think he's going to continue to add to that this week. Yeah, no, he's just been incredible, and even though he's at times had an offseason, I know he started off pretty rough. That's just a testament to, to even with the limited uh, quarterback play, I guess you could say, with, with uh, Eli Manning. That's still something to look at. But I want to get into another game with you. I think this is a game where, uh, where we could see a lot of fantasy production, uh, at least on one side, considering how well you know this team uh, can – or how 
I guess you could say how poorly this team has done on defense, and that's the Tampa Bay-Kansas uh, City game. I want to get your take on a couple things. One, Doug Martin. Is he is he going to be coming back? Or I know he, he played a little bit, but do you expect him to return to true form or at least close to 100% form this weekend? And then on the other side, uh, you know, Jeremy Macklin didn't practice today, I don't believe, and Tyreek Hill had 13 targets, 10 receptions and something last week. Um, could you see him against a, a very weak Tampa Bay secondary having another good game where he's almost force-fed the – the, the you know the ball a lot again yeah i mean i really uh i, I was really anti tyreek hill last week just because uh this kansas city passing game has already burned me so much this year um i i think that tampa bay is vulnerable in the secondary uh i just it's very hard for me to trust alex smith or that coaching staff to do the right thing uh, but that target volume is very hard to ignore, and uh, that's the one indicator that I really want to look for when I'm looking for my wide receivers. So if it does end up Macklin is out, uh, I, I do think you have to give Hill uh, definite flex consideration because uh, Tampa Bay has really struggled in the passing game this week. And as far as Doug Martin goes, uh, uh, if he's if he's uh, starting and it looks like he's going to be kind of shouldering the load going forward. He's a guy that I trust just because we've seen Dirk Cotter rely on the running back so much, going back to his days in Atlanta, even when he didn't have a very talented backfield. He's always giving his uh, running back or, or the, the backfield at least 60% of the touches, and we've seen that uh, this year with third and fourth string guys. So uh, Doug Martin, if he's starting, he's a guy that I'm going to trust. I expect to see his workload only get bigger. Yeah, looking now towards uh, Tennessee and Indianapolis, obviously we talked earlier about Marcus Mariota. I think he's pretty much an obvious start in this one. You've got the other obvious starts, of course, are uh, Delaney Walker and DeMarco Murray. And then I just want to get your thoughts on two other players, Kendall Wright. And we mentioned earlier uh, Rashid Matthews, who's had a, a nice couple of, of weeks. And he's had over 20% of the targets uh, over the last two games. And, you know, how do, you're still looking for that touchdown, but is there either of those two guys that even if you're looking towards DFS this week, that you'd be interested in starting, or maybe if you're in a, a little bit of a pickle with the bye weeks this week with Atlanta, Denver, the Jets, and, of course, San Diego on, on bye, would you be uh, willing to chance starting either of those two? Yeah, I mean, if if you are in some some bye week trouble, I, I guess you're a little handcuffed and, and you'd be forced to start one of those guys. I mean, tying a, a receiver to Marcus Mariota right now yeah. isn't a bad idea. Um, as far as DFS goes, Delaney Walker is a really attractive option to me here uh, against this Indianapolis Colts team that hasn't been great against tight ends. And Delaney Walker, um, over the past six weeks, has seen 24% of the team's targets. And it's been a little more consistent than uh, Rashard Matthews. Their uh, Walkers and Matthews' uh, red zone targets have been pretty close over that span. But uh, Matthews' overall volume has been a little more volatile over the past five, six weeks. And the thing that worries me about Matthews is that uh, he has seen the red zone targets, but he's converted on, I think, six out of his seven red zone targets over the past five weeks. And that's just an unsustainable rate. He's not scoring a ton of points outside of those touchdowns. So I think if um, I'm in a situation where I have a guy that's projected close to Matthews, uh, I probably want to favor that more consistent touchdown volume because that's something that could disappear really quickly yeah. um, and not something I usually want to rely on. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. The other one I want to talk to you about is the last time these two teams played, Dante Moncrief was obviously out with uh, that shoulder uh, injury, and he's back now. He scored a touchdown in eight of his past ten games that he's played with Andrew Luck. Obviously, some of those games that he played last year, Andrew Luck wasn't involved. So his last ten with Andrew Luck. And then the other one is uh, T.Y. Hilton when they played just a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, against the Titans had a seven seven catch uh, 133 yard and one touchdown day obviously that was without Moncrief but if you could only pick one of those two this week uh, who are you taking um if it's just one guy I'm, I'm still going with Hilton just because as I already mentioned I really love that target volume I mean Moncrief is going to see some of those red zone targets but uh he doesn't see so many more targets or so close to T.Y. that I think I want to start him uh, over T.Y., but he is in a, fa in, in a fantastic spot. And then if we're talking about DFS, you're getting a pretty big discount on Dante Moncrief. If we look at something like pricing on FanDuel, uh, you're getting almost $1,500 off. So in that spot, Moncrief. But uh, if we're just talking straight up, uh, I'm always going to favor that number one target for uh, Andrew Luck. So looking at another game this weekend that I, I think could be 
uh, high scoring just because of how poorly uh, these defenses have done this season. That's the, uh, the, I guess, a divisional matchup, too, between the Saints and the uh, the Panthers. want to get your take on a, on a couple of things there, um, especially on the New Orleans side. I want to see what you thought of the, uh, the, the running back split uh, between uh, Hightower and Mark Ingram and, and just how you would view both of them this weekend. And, you know, maybe Carolina has a weak passing uh, defense, but they still have a strong run defense. So I wanted to see what you thought about that. And also on the other side, um, you know, in a game where, you know, we, we've seen at times the Panthers struggle, uh, do you think a wide receiver could step up other than Kelvin Benjamin? Because we haven't seen much besides Benjamin Olsen this season. Is there is there a guy against a, a very, I guess you could say, depleted uh, New Orleans secondary that could be a sleeper this weekend? Yeah, I think um, my concern, I'll, I'll I'll actually start on the Panther side here with their with their wide receivers, is that Cam Newton just hasn't been uh, the efficient Cam Newton that we saw last year. And we should have expected that a little bit coming into this year, uh, just because uh, he was scoring touchdowns at such an unsustainable rate last year that we expect that to come down a little bit. Um, but it's really came down to earth a lot. And the, the thing that's really been concerning is the interceptions. Uh, the overall volume hasn't been huge, but the interception rate has been really high. And we finally saw that come to fruition towards the end of the game uh, last week. So when he's giving up those drives in terms of turning the ball over, it just really limits the upside of the entire offense. Um, so outside those two guys that you mentioned, I just don't see uh, much in terms of fantasy value. I mean, Funch has got the touchdown last week, but it was on a it was on a deep play. There aren't aren't a ton of targets going around. And then uh, the Saints on the other side, uh, I mean, their running back situation is a spot where I thought they would uh, perform really well, both uh, Hightower and Ingram against the Broncos defense that struggle a lot. But uh, neither of them really wowed last week. Um, but it's still pretty much a 50-50 split. My concern with this New Orleans offense is that uh, they have been fair over over the past couple of years pretty big difference uh home road splits I, I think their last road game they ended up putting a putting up a pretty decent number but i still think that uh against this carolina team you're going to want to attack them through the air so i'm still going to be looking at those outside receivers for new orleans if i'm looking for that big upside yeah moving to a few games now that we'll quickly go to run through and i just uh if you have any further thoughts i'm going to get them off here it's obviously buffalo against cincinnati first and i'm going to look uh, Tyrod Taylor somebody I think you're starting in this game McCoy uh, obviously has been having a, an outstanding season in Buffalo you'd be starting him as well one of the fantasy players of the year in my opinion for the, the value you would have got him at obviously AJ Green as well and Tyler Eifert has been uh, really solid since he came back in a, a monster game two weeks ago uh, I just want to get your thoughts on Giovanni Bernard who's somebody I'm very very high on but it's very worrying over the last couple of weeks uh, started the season quite positively but since Tyler Eifert has returned uh, back into the, the fold here from his injury Gio has been held to five receptions and he's somebody maybe that I'd be looking at sitting this week uh, with that in mind just to see how it shakes out is Gio somebody that you are you like and then again after that is he somebody that you're concerned about with that there you know you, he kind of relies on those PPR points those uh, pass pass catching yards as well yeah I mean I'm I I kind of have a, a sneaky concern about this whole passing game this week with Cincinnati um, because if we if we look at the fantasy points allowed, we look at how we expect the wide receivers to perform. Um, most of the signs point towards uh, Cincinnati being able to throw the bar, ball fairly well, well against Buffalo, but uh, I think that if we look at the line play, Cincinnati's really been uh, allowing a lot of pressure on Andy Dalton, and at the same rate, Buffalo has been really good at getting after the quarterback. So I think it's a spot where uh, Giovanni Bernard's losing a lot of work, like you mentioned. I I, I expected him to uh, have a role that was going to be a lot more defined in this offense, and we haven't seen it really since, I mean, first couple weeks of the season. I don't think he's had uh, uh, more than five targets since week four or five. So uh, there just isn't a ton of passing volume going his way. And then with Eifert back and A.J. Green commanding so much of the target share, uh, he's just not a guy that, that I could trust. And um, I think Buffalo really makes it tough on Cincinnati's passing game overall this week. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you on that one. Uh, looking then towards 
Um, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Obviously, last week Pittsburgh with a very tough loss. Cleveland uh, in a real shambles at the moment uh, with the way things are going, and you know it looks like uh, they're going to get Cody Kessler in for another game. RG three possibly coming back later in the season. But looking at it, obviously uh, the star players in Pittsburgh last week had a nice game. Le'Veon Bell had a big game. Uh, Antonio Brown catching that touchdown off the fake spike towards the end. I think you you pretty much go and you just start all your uh, Pittsburgh studs in this one. But is there anybody maybe you know on under the radar, Eli Rogers maybe, or somebody like that there, that Pittsburgh this week you think uh, could have a, a spot? You know, obviously Cleveland has been pretty much uh, given everything up through there. Yeah, um, a couple a couple guys uh, outside of the usual suspects this week. Uh, you stole one of them from me, Eli Rogers. Uh, 10% of the three-plus touchdown games this year from quarterbacks have come against the Browns. Six three-plus <laughs> touchdown games against the Browns. Uh, this year only 60 in total the entire season so obviously that's a huge number and if uh, if Ben's thrown it all over the field that means uh, Rodgers definitely has some upside another I mean this is way under the radar you have to be a little bit desperate um, deep league but uh, you know if you're in some kind of bye week trouble and just trying to fill a flex position I do think that there uh, there could be some some sneaky PPR value for Duke Johnson this week just because the Browns are going to be in a a game script where they're going to be forced to throw. Pittsburgh allows the most yards per touch to opposing running backs in the league, and they allow the third most uh, receiving yards to opposing running backs. So, so that's where a lot of that yardage has come from. So uh, I do think that if you if you are really desperate, I think Duke Johnson could have um, a sneaky good game in a spot that's just going to be all around ugly for the Browns otherwise, I think. Yeah, and uh, I, I've uh, talked about it a few times in the show uh, with Pittsburgh and their kind of home road split. I know it's a lot talked about with New Orleans over the years, but uh, the, it has been you know a situation where Pittsburgh, you know, they're averaging seventeen and a half points on the road, which is twenty fifth in the NFL, and then at home is twenty eight point eight, which is fifth in the NFL. So there's an you know one side they're near at the top, the other one they're nearly at the bottom. So there is that big split. But this week, I don't imagine there will be all that much uh, to slow them down with the Cleveland Browns. Next up, going to uh, Baltimore at Dallas. Dallas obviously on a real roll at the moment with that win against the the Steelers that I mentioned a moment ago. Uh, Baltimore went in on Thursday Night Football against the Browns. Steve Smith with a nice game last week. We've seen kind of a little bit of a flash from uh, Perryman as well, starting to get in on the action. But again, you're starting, I think, pretty much all your your stars there for Dallas. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, there's not much more we can really say about him already over a 1,000 yards for the season. Uh, that screen pass he took to the house uh, last week was uh, quite something else. But looking through the rest of the lineup um, on the Baltimore side, is there anybody that you'd be starting? I mentioned Steve Smith. Um, you know, I think the Terrence West uh, Dixon situation. I think West pretty much uh, isn't able to be. You're not able to start him anymore. And then I think there's not enough unless you're in a PPR league to go with Dixon. Is there anyone on the Baltimore side that you would start uh, this week? Yeah, I don't think you can really touch the backfield at all just because uh, the Ravens are already top five in terms of pass rate in the league this year, and then they're really big underdogs this week. I think seven and a half points um, in Dallas, so it's going to be a spot where I just don't think that uh, they're going to be in a game script that favors the the rushing game so looks like they're probably gonna be in a spot where they really have to pass it a lot um steve smith seven seven targets in back-to-back games so um he could have a, a little bit of a ppr floor uh but he's probably really the only guy I like uh flacco has been pretty consistent even last week against cleveland when he put up big fantasy numbers he started the game really ugly but uh, i think one one Spot worth noting um, is Dallas defense and special teams. Uh, Flacco has uh, the second highest interception rate over the last uh, six weeks, and Dallas is going to be in a spot where uh, they're going to be up big, and Flacco is probably going to have to throw even more than usual. So I think we could see some big fantasy numbers from the Dallas defense this week. Last person to mention in this game is uh, Jason Witten, and I think there there'd be some cause for concern maybe with him and this. He's had back-to-back uh, double-digit scoring games for the first time all season he's looked very very uh, good so far uh, over the last couple of weeks Dak really relying on him heavily but Baltimore has allowed uh, only one top 12 finish all season to the tight end position so uh, when you're going through you know you've 10 weeks played and you've only given up one top 12 week I think uh, they're they're really uh, one of their strong points on defense has been eliminating that tight end position so maybe uh, go with a little bit of caution there 
Yeah, and just to further that point, if Dallas is looking to excel in the in the short passing game, Baltimore's allowed the most receiving yards to opposing running backs. So uh, they could kind of forego Witten and end up using uh, kind of Zeke in that short passing role this week. I had to, uh, I guess you could say, if there isn't a more lopsided game, uh, except for maybe the Cleveland-Pittsburgh game, it's got to be the New England um, versus San Francisco game. I mean, you look at you look at San Francisco's defense; they're they're historically awful. Um, I mean, they've dealt with some injuries. I know they lost Eric Armstead for the season, uh, Navarro Bowman, uh, but still, this this team is just in in bad, bad, bad shape. Um, and New England's coming in; they're still an offensive juggernaut. They still scored. I want to say I can't remember the score off the top of my head, but I think it was close to thirty, if not thirty points, on a. Seattle defense that is still very good. Um, wanted wanted to see uh, what you thought. Is is LeGarrette Blunt going to have another multi-touchdown game after scoring three last week, considering that San Francisco has given up the most points to fantasy running backs over the past, if not three weeks, and more like the whole season. But uh, I guess on the other side, uh, you know, Martellus Bennett, can he have a good game if Gronk doesn't play, even though that Julian Edelman's starting to get more looks, Chris Hogan could be coming back. Yeah, Lewis could be coming back. And also, is there even anybody worth mentioning besides maybe Carlos Hyde uh, on the, the 49ers side that could be even worth looking at in fantasy? Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, on the New England side, just fire up all of your starters. <laughs> I mean, anyone, that, anyone that's on the Patriots roster, go ahead and throw them out there. I think, uh, obviously, there's going to be a ton of upside for Blunt. Um, he's seen... Uh, most of the running back work, even if Deion Lewis does come back, I'm not concerned about him stealing the kind of touches that Blunt's getting. Um, 18 opportunities inside the 10-yard line over the past six weeks. He's going to have plenty of more opportunities this week with New England being the, the team with the highest implied point total. Uh, as far as Martellus Bennett goes, I mean, yeah, Julian Edelman has seen a huge uh, chunk of the targets since Brady's came back. Um, eighth highest target share in the league with uh, Tom Brady under center this year and 30% of the red zone targets. But if we look at uh, Bennett and Gronk's numbers combined since Tom Brady's return, they've combined for uh, 60 targets in five games, 11 red zone targets. So we know Brady's going to favor the tight end. He's historically um, done that. Obviously, Gronk's had a lot to do with that. But uh, San Francisco, in, in addition to all of their deficiencies on offense. They probably have one of the worst front sevens in the league in terms of getting after the quarterback. So there's no concern about um, Bennett having to stay and, and block or anything like that. I think he's going to run uh, all the routes that we would expect New England Titans to run. On on the 49ers side of the ball, I mean, none of the skill position players for me. I think um, if it's going to be ugly and you're not going to want to watch, especially the first half of the game, but uh, – Close your eyes, be prepared to, to puke, but just take the, the 15 to 20 points that Colin Kaepernick's going to give you if you yeah. if you need to stream quarterbacks. Um, like don't if you end up playing him, don't watch the game. Just plug him in, watch another game, but he'll still get you a, a replacement level fantasy production this week. Yeah, he would be the one guy on that side of the the ball that I'd be starting this week too. I think he'll at least get you. You know, seventy rushing yards probably in this one. Maybe he'll be scampering mm-hmm. around for the majority of the game. Doug, just back to the Patriots. Obviously, Gronk taking a huge hit uh, against the Seahawks, and it is uh, unlikely that he's going to be playing this week. I would say pretty much guaranteed he doesn't play this week. Um, the other player I want to know about is Dion Lewis. Do you expect him to have much of an impact this week? Obviously, didn't uh, get involved too much against Seattle. Yeah, so it was it was very interesting this weekend uh, when he didn't suit up, and also the comments that Bill Belichick made. Mm-hmm. I think it was Monday where he said that he wouldn't be on the injury report, implying that he is healthy. He's 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 healthy. Uh, it's more so they're just maybe trying to get him back into the game plan because James Way has been doing pretty good. I know he got involved early on Sunday and didn't do much after that, but the running back sort of production has been very surprising considering, you know, Deion Lewis hasn't been there and, and James White is strictly a, a third down passing uh, down back with Blunt leading the league and in, 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 uh, rushing touchdown. So I, I think it's more just a situation trying to fit him in. I definitely think with Gronk uh, probably out this week, uh, you know, we could definitely see him back. I, I think it's just more so of a, a process, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him get six to eight touches. And that could, you know, and not to get ahead of myself, but that could be, 
uh, fantasy gold against this horrible, horrible, horrible uh, 49ers run defense. I think they're horrible. But uh, <laughs> uh, Something like that, yeah. Speaking of horrible defenses, uh, we're going to go on here to the Detroit Lions. They are allowing 74.1% pass completion rate to uh, all quarterbacks, and that is currently the highest rate of any team has allowed through their opening nine games in NFL history. So that just shows that they're pretty bad. But they're uh, going up against a guy who's been pretty bad, and that is Blake Bortles. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see which side uh, wins that battle this week. But looking at the game, uh, I think you're trusting Matthew Stafford, Golden Tate. Uh, I really like Theo Riddick this week. Uh, then, you know, you're probably going to get those garbage 10 points just based on that stat that I mentioned about the worst defense for Blake Bortles. But on that side, do you think this is a week that Alan Robinson could uh, you know really break out he's had two back-to-back solid games but there's a possibility Darius Slay returns this week for the Lions and you know there's a mix-up at the back obviously with TJ Yeldon and Chris Ivory at the minute it's hard to know which one of them to really roll with Eric Ebron's been pretty solid he's had 14 receptions and 18 targets over the last two games but you know like I mentioned with Baltimore earlier while parts of the defense uh, struggles at times the Jaguars are really solid uh, against the tight end as well in that game outside of the guys that I've mentioned is there any that you're reluctant to play this week or you're uh, really happy to to insert in the lineup um I mean Blake Bortles could get some of that garbage time uh production but uh I, th- I think interesting thing about Detroit is uh they've shored things up a little bit on the back end over the past few weeks they were they were on a pace to be historically bad but as far as uh, allowing touchdowns through the air and touchdowns in the red zone uh against quarterbacks that, that's came back down to earth a little bit yeah. um i'm not so worried about Darius Slay. he was a guy that going into the season a lot of people uh kind of thought he could kind of enter that shutdown corner role even before he got hurt he was struggling a little bit uh early in the season Allen robinson you mentioned uh his targets the last couple of weeks over the last six weeks he's been back on par to what we expect just kind of seeing that 25 percent target share 11 red zone targets in that span so i think he's fine my favorite player in this game is definitely theo riddick um, yeah, 15 so touches and 15 touches in the last six games he's been active i mean he missed a couple with injuries but um, at least five targets in all of those games. We know he's going to uh, be a huge uh, asset in the passing game. And uh, if we adjust for strength of schedule, Jacksonville ranks in the bottom 10 in the league against running backs. So, um, I mean, outside of the guys that are that are really obvious, uh, I think a lot of people um, still might have, have some hesitation on, on Riddick if you have better options. But uh, I really love Riddick this week. Yeah, and I'm very high on him just in general. Uh, before the season and throughout the season, uh, he was one of my zero RB guys, and I really like the matchup this week uh, as well. I mentioned Golden Tate. You know, the Jacksonville Jaguars are giving up a lot of short pass- passes within five yards of the line of scrimmage. So in PPR leagues, Tate and Riddick, definitely uh, players I'd be going with this week. I kind of purposely left this one to, to closer to the end of the show. That is Green Bay at Washington. The Packers obviously last week got pretty much hosed in that first quarter by... Uh, the Tennessee Titans and uh, never really fought their way back but in fantasy terms Jordan Nelson had a huge game Devontae Adams had a big game Rodgers uh, I think finished in the, the top two or three of uh, quarterback scoring last week so going into this one against Washington it's a game that the, they actually kind of really need to win in terms of uh, how the, the division is shaping up and outside of the Lions and the Vikings having a, a poor season as well they would be in real big trouble at this point they've allowed 30 points in three straight games that's their uh, worst run since 2006 they've lost their last three games and Washington's really putting up points uh, over kind of the last the basically the whole season um, they're averaging 407.8 yards uh, per game so in this one it's going to be I think that's going to be a very very high scoring game but Deshaun Jackson mm-hmm. possibly coming back this week he missed last week's game and um, he got injured in the game in London I think there's a possibility with the way the Packers secondary is beat up that he finally connects uh, with a deep shot with Kirk Cousins he could be one of those kind of players if you want to plug him into your lineup uh, Pierre Garçon with Deshaun Jackson out of the lineup has been getting a big increase in targets uh, we'll see if that can be sustained I think it'll drop down as is Jameson Crowder so possibly a downtown and both of their uh, you know kind of their values this week if um, Deshaun Jackson does suit up and the other player is obviously Reed and uh, I think we know what we're getting from him pretty much a, a target hog in the red zone as well so the running back situation Rob Kelly had a, a pretty solid game last week while it was nothing spectacular and then just uh, you know with the Packers 
they've got away from the short passing game they had over the the, four, the kind of two or three weeks previous. How do you see them getting back on track? And is it a case of just play those guys going up against the the Redskins? Because as we've seen last week, if it is a high scoring game, they're they're going to get those points. Yeah, I mean, I think if if you're if you have any Packers on your roster, you pretty much know what what you're getting out of all those guys. Um, obviously, you're not going to get a lot of action out of the backfield. They're just going to be throwing a ton, um, and you know who Rodgers is going to be throwing it to. But uh, the guys that I'm I'm really looking to in this game are are Kirk Cousins, who I think is uh, really in line to be, maybe be top three fantasy quarterback this week. He's been kind of a streaming option all year, but uh, this is a spot where I think uh, he's just due to put up some huge numbers his offensive line has done a really good job of protecting him this year uh, if we look at their adjusted sack rate it's one of the lowest in the league and and then uh green bay I, I mentioned i almost wanted to say this with detroit but i knew he had green bay coming up i think green bay might be the worst secondary in that division now yeah. well they, uh, they're we, kind of they're playing whatever they can find i think if we play the <laughs> green bay we might we might get a roller yeah we might, we might have a chance uh i mean they've they've given up uh touchdowns on 40 percent of the pass attempts in the red zone over the past six weeks one of the highest touchdown rates allowed in the league and and you mentioned this should be a, a big high scoring game uh washington actually favored over green bay um, with one of the higher point totals of the week um i i'm itch- i don't know it i don't think deshaun practiced today uh some news on road world looked like there he he's a little iffier than we might have thought going into okay. into the week if uh if deshaun ends up sitting out um I love Garcon this week. Even with Jordan Reed back last week, Garcon saw double-digit targets, is a- averaging eight targets uh, over the last six weeks, including seven and four of his last five games. Um, has actually been seeing some red zone work. So I-, I think if you're looking for a really deep play, a lot of people have heard Crowder's name all year, but Garcon just kind of tends to fly under the radar. But that target volume has been there, and I-, I think Cousins has a big game this week. Yeah, he had 17 targets over the last two games, and Crowder, somebody who's been uh, very, very consistent, he's been a top 30 wide receiver over the last four weeks, or his four games, they had a bye week sandwich in between. One player to be concerned about, and this is Ty Montgomery, obviously there was a lot of talk about him a few weeks ago, and he obviously diagnosed with the sickle cell trait then, his uh, workload has tailed off dramatically over the last kind of three weeks, and he's somebody until I can uh, see anything going further forward with James Starks back in the backfield, and we actually forgot to mention this at any point in the show so far christine michael released by the seattle seahawks has been waived and the packers claimed him off waivers so i don't expect him to be involved this week but let's hope it's a, a more successful uh, uh, kind of time for him than it was for nile davis with the packers um you know he's not somebody i'm very high on but um i think that he's definitely going to help that backfield because there is uh, it is a key area of need as long with that secondary i wonder can mm-hmm. christine michael play in the secondary as well we'll see we'll see what happens there <laughs> uh, doug take it away with the next game yeah, so uh, I want to get your take on on um, this. Uh, what we didn't think necessarily could be uh, a great game, but it has the makings of being an after how Seattle did last week, and and uh, with with Philadelphia, you know they've done better than expected. Um, I want to get your take on a couple of things. One, Ryan Matthews. I'm assuming you know this. This is a you know the game they had last week where I think he had over 100 yards and one if not two touchdowns uh, I'm assuming we we won't see that very often from him at all this season if ever again um, and then I know Jordan Matthews uh, sat out practice yesterday with back spasms um, if I'm assuming he does play that's what they've said can we expect him to have a good game even though he's going up against a very tough Seahawks defense uh, or secondary I should say that really doesn't have anybody else to worry about I guess you could say in the playmaker category and then on the other side uh, this is another great game for Doug Baldwin uh, Philadelphia has actually given up I think in the top five in standard uh, over the past three weeks to wide receivers uh, fancy points can we expect another great game from him this weekend yeah um, I mean starting with Jordan Matthews I mean the, the way that the teams have traditionally attacked Seattle is uh, down the middle of the field with their tight ends and with their slot receivers so assuming that he does play uh, I think that target volume will be there for him and uh, I mean Seattle hasn't been quite as fantastic as they've been in the past kind of came finally coming down to earth a little bit this year but it's really those perimeter receivers that have really historically struggled uh, against the Seahawks Um as far as on the Seahawks side of the ball, I, I think that uh, we're finally seeing it. I mean, I mentioned it at the beginning of the show with uh, with Russell Wilson kind of getting that efficiency back up, and uh, I, I mean Baldwin is always going to be his main guy. Finally, eight targets last last week, um, averaging 
just over seven targets over the last four games. Finally saw those red zone targets. He hadn't seen a red zone target since week three before last week. So we obviously love to see that. And um, a guy that, that really got shut down, but really no surprise if you're familiar with the Patriots is Jimmy Graham. Um, I think you fire up, up Jimmy Graham again just because uh, he and Baldwin are jo- both going to work the middle of the field. And and uh, you can attack Philly there, kind of similar to, to like you can against Seattle. Um, so Belichick loves to take away a team's no- number one option. So I don't think we're going to see uh, quite the game we saw to Baldwin. I think we could see it split a little bit between him and Graham. Uh, but love the Seattle pass offense overall. Uh, rapid fire through a couple of games now to finish up. Uh, looking at Arizona at uh Minnesota <laughs> couldn't get that out of my mouth. Um, Arizona have you know we talked about how bad the 49ers have looked um, over the over the whole season really, but when you look at Arizona last week they really struggled. Carson Palmer really struggled. Out to Larry Fitzgerald, and then you're looking at David Johnson who had another big big game, and that's just his mo at this point of the season. But out to those two guys, um, it's hard to really look at this Arizona d- team in particular, and then look against Minnesota, although they're not playing as well as they did at the start of the season. I wouldn't really be starting anyone outside of those two guys with confidence this week. And then outside of Stefan Diggs, maybe Kyle Rudolph on the other side. Is there anybody like outside of those guys and even those guys? Is there anybody in this game that you are confident to start? And it's a it's a tough one for me to to be excited to to start anyone pretty much outside of David Johnson. Yeah, I mean, we thought we thought J.J. Nelson was going to be the the second wide receiver. Then we saw Michael Floyd uh, kind of explode. So that that receiving core is going to be really a headache. And really, the only guy that that you would think you can be confident on in the on the Minnesota side of the ball is um, is Stephon Diggs. But he's going to have to deal with Patrick Peterson this week. Um, so you might want to temper expectations a little bit there. I mean, you're not sitting him if if you roster him. Most likely. Um, if if he's one of your receivers, especially if you're like in a three wide receiver league, uh, you most likely don't have a guy seeing more targets than him. Uh, but but I'm I'm a little worried against Patrick Peterson. Rudolph is is seeing a, a fair share of of the targets, really big target share there. Um, so unless you have a, a top five or six tight end, you're probably forced to start Rudolph. But uh, no one I see that's really expected to have a huge week this week. Yeah, I feel the exact same way pretty much in that one. Uh, Monday Night Football sees uh, Houston mm-hmm. face Oakland this game and Mexico City. Um, you know, I don't know what to say about Houston. They've been just a tough watch uh, the whole season. DeAndre Hopkins hasn't been able to get things going. He's uh, had eight games out of his nine with under 75 yards receiving and some of them a lot less than 75. It's been really tough with Brock Osweiler there. Um, the, the team I really want to talk about, unless you have somebody that you're confident and starting uh, for Houston this week is Oakland, and obviously Derek Carr is having a really nice season. Um, you know, there's been a lot of work through the air over the course of the year with, um, you know, the wide receiver position, Crabtree. Uh, they've been they've been really positive in that way. But when we seen them play last was Monday Night Football against the Broncos, and the the Broncos mm-hmm. tend to be a team that you can't really run all that much against. But they they ended up with uh, Latavius Murray having a huge night. Do you think this game sets up against Houston, whose defense has been quite solid this year does it set up to uh, be a run game or a kind of air game for you in this one yeah i mean i, th- I think um i think that if if i have to pick a spot um if if we kind of just look at strength of schedule i think houston might be a little bit um overrated on the ground and and that uh, oakland could kind of have a a similar game flow that we saw against denver where they don't put up a massive amount of points but they are up by seven to ten points and they could just kind of uh the game flow is going to set up really nice for Latavius Murray. So that's probably where I'm looking at. I mean, earlier in the season, it was a little bit more of a split, but we've seen uh, the touches really start to favor Murray since he's came back from that injury. And uh, that's kind of what I expect. Houston just so, so bad on, on the offensive side of the ball that I think we see uh, Oakland get a nice little lead here and, and Murray get, uh, get quite a few touches. I do really like starting uh, Oakland's defense this week um, if they are available in your league or or if you are thinking about starting them just because uh, we've seen them really been able to get after the quarterback the last few weeks and anytime you can get pressure on, on Brock Osweiler that's going to be a really good spot for your defense. My last game on, on, on the queue that I wanted to ask you about is um, uh, is the, the Miami game against uh, the Rams. Obviously you know I think the big storyline going into this is Jared Goff the number one overall pick um, in the in the this past draft is going to make his NFL debut as a starter. Uh, he has a pr- 
pretty decent matchup, I would think, uh, going up against the uh, the Miami team who, you know, they've done well on offense, they've done better on defense, but still have a weak secondary in terms of their personnel groupings. Uh, Want to get your take on, you know, with Kenny Britt, Brian Quick, they've stepped up lately. Does that change at all with Jared Goff in there now? Lance Kendrick has a really good matchup as well. Um, is, you know, could he have a good game as well? You know, he's coming off a good three-game stretch before he had a dud last week. Uh, and then on the Miami side, um, you know, just Jay Ajayi. Uh, Ajayi. <laughs> yeah, I think I got it right this time. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's he certainly tailed off a little bit. It's not saying he's done nearly bad at all, but tailed off since his two straight 200-yard performances. Uh, going up against, I would say, a rather tough uh, Rams defense. What do you see from him this weekend? Yeah, I mean, as as far as the Rams side of the ball, uh I'm a little hesitant to to look at those recent target numbers and volume numbers from guys like Britton Kendricks just because now we're we're getting a a guy that's never played in the NFL before and um, a guy that that Jeff Fisher uh, was really hesitant to throw in there because he apparently thought they had a shot at making the playoffs or something with Case Keenum, uh, but we just we don't know how much of that was Jeff Fisher, uh, how much of that was Keenum. Um, I. I'm I, when it comes to rookie quarterbacks, it's really one of those spots where I need to wait and see. I mean, this Rams offense, um, outside of the guys we mentioned uh, the last couple of weeks, they've just been so bad overall this year. And then when it comes to Miami, uh, I mean, Ajay had 100 yards following his two 200 yard games, and then um, last week that game just kind of uh, ended up not setting not setting up too well for him. But if we if we look at the workload that the the Dolphins have been giving Ajayi ever since he took over the starting role, they lead the league in percentage, percentage of touches to their running back. So uh, even though it is a touch, tough matchup, uh, the workload is really what matters for me when it comes to these running backs. And he's seen uh, such a big chunk of, of the the running back shares. I know we saw Damian Williams steal a touchdown, but um, if that's Ajayi's touchdown, we're saying, uh, you know, he's – He's doing exactly what we expect him to do coming off those games. So um, I think he'll he'll continue to to get that work that we've seen him uh, get. Uh, so I, I'm i still rolling out Ajayi confidently and just because I think he'll see so many touches. And it could be a spot where um, if Jared Goff uh, goes full rookie quarterback, uh, my, this game could set up really good or a positive game script for Miami. Full rookie quarterback. Uh, and it's going to be... I'm looking forward to seeing how he does, and as you mentioned, it's hard to know what will happen with those uh, playmakers for the Rams, but you know, we've seen what Jeff Fisher teams are like. I'm not expecting a, an explosive performance straight out of the gate here. Uh, the one thing we did forget to mention when we talked about the Seahawks-Philly game was that Thomas Rawls uh, mm-hmm. is expected to play uh, considerably this week in his return, according to Pete Carroll. We'll wait and see what that happens, but uh, last year he definitely was uh, a big impact. Uh, in the games he played prior to that ankle injury uh, for the Seahawks and for fantasy owners so looking forward to seeing him back on the gridiron this week Uh, TJ thanks for jumping aboard the show uh, for the week 11 preview here for Overtime Ireland Um, you can follow TJ on Twitter you should already be doing so but you can do it at TJ Hernandez and uh, get all the great work he does for 4 for 4 and all the DFS advice and so on and of course our roster coach we were talking about that when you were on just before the season how's things going and anything else that you want to give a quick promotion to uh, while we are on the show yeah roster coach is a a site that i started up this year uh full dfs uh video based kind of classroom style content so really goes over the process of dfs outside of just giving you picks or really showing you uh how dfs pros are are going about their day-to-day week-to-week uh process so it's been a fantastic uh fantastic supplement to to any other subscription that uh, people might have for their DFS tools. Uh, we're also all available for one-on-one DFS coaching. So if you uh, would need a little help with your game, we're available for that as well. Other than that, all my all my DFS and football work is available at 444.com. So, yeah, it's been a great year. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. No problem. And I mentioned at the start of the show, maybe this is, uh, you know, the week that you try and start off uh, playing a bit of D- uh, DFS. Uh, definitely go check out his Twitter feed and, of course, check out roster coach as well because you might play it this week might think yeah this is definitely for me going forward and uh, great insight and information available on there as well so thanks tj for jumping on uh, doug is on twitter at dmore nfl and uh, i'm on twitter at overtime ireland glad to uh, announce that doug has made it safely back uh, to his driveway and has made it safely home and we didn't hear any crashes so we we don't take any responsibility for anything that happens doug from this point forward but until next week stay tuned to the at overtime ireland twitter 
Twitter feed. And of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.